how are you? I am good, and you? I'm still functioning. How long have you been in Australia? About 22 years. 22 I years. married one of them. Yes, oh. I came down here on the Bet Middle Tour with, um, with, obviously with Bet, and um, was working with Gary Van Eggman, the promoter here, and uh, her, the, uh, the co-promoter of the show was Camille. And um, the next morning after the opening, I, uh, I saw this beautiful person lying at the, at the Siebel Townhouse pool, um, very much asleep, and I tapped her on the shoulder and asked her if she'd like a Bloody Mary, and, and I said, aha, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. Mm, very much so. <laughs> wow, that's pretty impressive. So, yeah, it was all right. It worked fine for, the, for as long as it went, yep. So currently you're the director of retail lighting design for Gerard Lighting, is that correct? Yes, that's what I am. And, and, and what are we doing uh, with this job description? Um, well, actually, it's um, a half a dozen retail uh, stores from everything. Uh, Kmart down here is, 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 has become quite upmarket. Uh-huh. And uh, I do Kmart and Best and Less and Tiffany and Amani and all that sort of stuff. Formerly into lighting design, production design, stage management, not to mention the MC for the legendary Woodstock Festival. So reading through your bio, it's absolutely fascinating, Chip. Uh, loner, disinterested student, goes to private school in Connecticut, works his way through college, summer stock in Wellesley College. And I suspect this is perhaps where you found your calling, or at least something that turns you on, tutored by a CBS New York City lighting director. Yeah, Greg Harney was a, good, a guy out of uh, CBS New York, and he came to Wellesley College, which is a girls' college in Wellesley, yeah. and um, where I lived. And um, I, I was watching uh, one afternoon the rig go up, and uh, which was, of course, certainly not as sophisticated as it is now, but it was just fascinating. And I just said, "Well, how can I help?" I said, "Well, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this." And he taught me how to weld and taught me how to put everything back together again, and keep things working on a shoestring, which, of course, summer stock or summer theater always is. So I never really went to college. I, I, uh, I went to a school in Connecticut, and then I didn't even graduate there, and I ran away to the circus. You literally ran away to the circus? Literally, yes. How long did the circus gig last before you blasted off to New York City? Not too long. It, you know, I was shoveling uh, elephant shit in the daytime and running a follow spot at night. <laughs> 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 so I, as, as slowly as as things went along, I learned my craft. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you really you really found your career in lighting design in the Big Apple, right? Uh, yeah. Actually, yes. I, it, I, I helped build the Village Gate, and um, so for those who aren't aware, the Village Gate, a uh, legendary place in uh, the village. Yes. It's kind of like Max's Kansas City or the Vanguard or, or the Blue Note. I mean, there are, there are numbers of, of great clubs there, but that's a 450-seater. And um, it, was, uh, it started, obviously, with jazz and with people like Mingus and Silver and Herbie Mann and um, oh, Roland Kirk, and then it went into uh, Max, um, Les McCann, et cetera, et cetera. Then, yeah. then it started to turn more into oh, um, Odetta, Belafonte, uh, Aretha did her first performance in New York there with her dad watching over her carefully. Wow. And, and Dylan, um, well, actually, Dylan, um, Dylan spent quite a bit of time there as I had an apartment that was just about the size of the gate <laughs> right next door. And I, I happened to have, have uh, bought a, a selection typewriter, you know, the old golf ball one? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, Robert used to come down in the evening and just sit there and type away. And he wrote Hard Rain's Gonna Fall there and stuff like that. And uh, I would come every now and then and kind of look over his shoulder. And I said, don't you think it would sound better if you said, listen, I don't need a co-writer, and I'm certainly not paying you a royalty. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. How long did you spend at the gates before you went out on touring with uh, a variety of other bands and shows? Oh, um, maybe two, two years solid. Yeah. And then back and forth, back and forth. And every time I come back, it, it was it's like... Uh, any club, you, what you do is you tear it down to the ground again, and you take the your cohort or your coworker or whoever is is now assigned to working the lighting, and you uh, rehang it the way you intended it to to uh, to do. And you do a couple of shows with with him or her, and um, and it's time to go out on the road again. Yeah. So you you do a variety of festivals like Newport, uh, the Jazz and Folk Festival, and. Yeah, well, I was dragged into that by Robert Grossman, who who had had seen my work at the gate and and was often there. Yeah, and um, he wanted Joni Baez in his stable, and at that time, which was Ian and Sylvia um, from up your way, mm-hmm. but on the other side of your continent. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and Dylan, and the band, and uh, oodles of folk. Wow, and. Um, and he thought it would be a good idea to get Joni. But Joni was really happily ensconced in Cambridge, Massachusetts, with Manny Greenhill, who has always been uh, her manager, yeah. and had no intention of moving. But he thought that if the folk festival services were provided it, uh, as, as best as they, they could be found, that that would help if he instituted that, since he was also a partner with George on the, fo- on the folk festival, right. that it might... Um, uh, help him um, achieve his goal. Um, unfortunately for him, it didn't, but um, we had a great deal of fun working on it. Were, were you uh, there for Dylan's electric set at Newport? Yes, with Cooper and Bloomfield and yeah. all, yes, and all. And uh, how was that experience for you? I know a lot of people booed him and hated it. And... Oh, I thought it was just fine. I mean, did you ever read Chronicles? A little bit of it here and there, yes. It's, um, it's, it's, Unless you're a fan, I suppose it's hard to get into, but it's uh, everything was so calculated and so planned. I mean, not in a nasty or or unpleasant way, Yeah. but he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, for sure. And he knew exactly where he was going. You know? 1967, contracted to work Monterey, which celebrated its 40th a couple of years ago. Fun experience, I would imagine, huh? Uh, it was great. They had a roof. <laughs> 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 Two years later, we didn't. <laughs> so it was wonderful. It was really a, it. Um, the only problem was that I had just come back from London, and we had been working about two days straight. And I asked, any, "Did anybody did anybody have a Purple Heart?" Mm-hmm. You know, which in London was an amphetamine, an amphetamine compound. You know, yeah. And um, since there were no lat- lattes at that time, <laughs> and um, somebody said, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> and unfortunately, it was Owsley. It wasn't. It wasn't speed at all. Oh God! <laughs> so uh, Penny Baker has never forgiven me for uh, a portion of the film being totally red and just staying that way. <laughs> but Carfunkel did, in fact, say, "Ooh, a ballad in red! How exciting!" <laughs> <laughs> this this would have been like the first big festival with international acts to be staged, right? And did you did, did you do the lighting design for the entire festival? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Al Cooper was my stage manager, and he and I did all of the, uh, the all of that uh, together. Ah. And um, yeah, David Angeli from uh, what was it? It was Atlantic. I think David was from Atlantic, or 
or he was working with Jack Holtzman. And had, uh, uh, Al had 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 a, a mini breakdown or had, had just too much to eat or something, and and went to the hospital for some period of time, and then they dragged him um, over and handed him to me to <laughs> do <laughs> something with him. So you know, here is this, this this excellent musician, you know, yeah, um, who is now tying down amplifiers onto rolling carts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was therapy. <laughs> but we got along quite well because we were both kind of the New York mindset instead of being quite so relaxed as San Francisco can, in fact, be. Yeah. When somebody turns around to you and you're in the crisis mode and they say, oh, let it flow, Jack. You know, <laughs> it's not exactly what you want to hear. You know? uh, oh, that's funny. Not very New York. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Well, uh, you know, and then you've got Bill Graham, who is uh, kind of laid back, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh heavens no! I yeah, mean, but, but but as a sparring partner, he was wonderful. I, I mean, bet it's just, there's, there's nobody that you'd rather rather poke in the chest with your finger and see if you could get away with it. What <laughs> what what and where did you work with Bill Graham? Did you do Fillmore East or West or what was I the? I did both. Yeah, um, yeah. When he um, John Morris was um, was was pretty um, influential in bringing Bill to New York to do a dead concert or to see a dead concert at the Fifth Street Theater, yeah. the Yiddish Theater across the street and slightly down the block from um, the Fillmore. And then the, com- the Lowe's Commodore, which became the Fillmore, it was, was up for, for grabs, so Bill took it. And um, having run the Fillmore West for so long and Winterland and Geary Street and the Temple, he was perfectly capable of taking a 2,800-seater and making it work. Yeah. So Langhart and myself and Bob C. and all these people who later uh, I dragged all on to Woodstock with me as well, and some of the best follow spot operators I've ever met that, that we worked very hard in training, um, built the Fillmore, and uh, Langhart did, redid the air conditioning and hung the sound system, and Hanley, Hanley uh, and a few other people donated some speakers and stuff like that, and Altman Stage Lighting in Yonkers, New York, was uh, was particularly thoughtful in practically giving me everything I ever needed. Wow. You know, so there was a, there was a, uh, everybody knew it was something really special. An, another festival that happened uh, after Monterey Pop, actually there were many of them, weren't uh, there, that you were involved in, Miami Pop, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They're get- yeah, there was, a, there was two Miami Pops, one of which Michael Lang did, who was the producer of Woodstock, who, yeah. who did that uh, slightly before uh, the... Ron Jacobs, Tom Rounds, Tom Driscoll, Miami Pop with the two stages. Right, and these festivals, these festivals are becoming more and more sophisticated, and and and. Uh... Yeah, they, 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 but you know, it is never, never anywhere near the level that it is now. Where, where, uh, mm. fortunately or unfortunately, all you do is you mail in your 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 plot, or either by disc, or <laughs> if you still enjoy drawing them by hand, which I do. Uh-huh. And um, and your production house uh, wires your trusses, makes up your looms, hangs your instruments, um, you know, puts in your rigging points and everything. And you walk in at four o'clock in the morning just to check it the first time to make sure it works. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then from then on, the lighting designer basically arrives at four p.m. for sound check just to make sure everything's correct. Um, the designer really is truly. It's like a Peter Morse. He is truly a designer. And doesn't operate a board, and is uh, is is just um, you know uh, the commander, as it were, 
Right. Now, Peter does some wonderful things. He does Streisand. He does. He now does Midler. Mm-hmm. Um, the older they get, the, the more careful you have to be in, with your use of color. And uh, I'm still into, you know, really saturated color. Uh, I, I like lamps that are very close to um, to the subject and that are very hot and uh, exceptionally deep in color. So, but Peter does a beautiful job. He also does um, both uh, the red and the blue troupe of uh, Barnum and Bailey. Wow. He's really he lives in Tahoe and he's particularly skilled. He's a, he's really a magnificent designer. So, you know, I, yeah, I started it. Uh, I we built an industry, and then there are others who have taken it and actually refined it brilliantly. You know. Forty but years. I've never used an automated light, which I'm very proud of. <laughs> never used an automated light. No, I think they're just. I think they're so distracting. Yeah, sure, it makes it easier if you don't have to hang. If, you, if your palette is five colors, you hang five lamps in order to light that thing yeah. with five colors. If you use automated lighting, of course, all of that is, 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 is able to be changed within the instrument by dichroic color wheels. So you only have to have one lamp instead of five. But I still like the older technology. It's, um, it, there's, um, when we do the 50th, if we get to the 50th and the wheelchair ramps work, <laughs> we'll go back precisely, I would imagine, to the way we did the first one in 1969, when, and, and for, your, for you and your audience, we're talking about Woodstock. And um, then I, I think it, the, the, the funny part about it is it'll be a, such a surprise to, um, to, ever, to the audience because they will have never seen it. And it's, it's such a different way of lighting because there's nothing so articulate you know, I mean, my my good one of my best operators out of the Fillmore used to start in the F hole of David Crosby's guitar, and as he was just twiddling his fingers right on, on one string, the 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 lamp would get slightly larger and larger and larger until the entire guitar was red, and then on the downbeat, wham, everything came in. I mean, we there you there's so many wonderful things that it, that that an unarticulate operator can do. That, a, that a, uh, an automated light can't. Yeah, you know it's it's really worth paying. You see, the, the automated light is cheaper, so it's it's um, in all because um, the, the man and his per diem and his transportation and all of this sort of thing starts to add up. So if you have this instrument that does everything all by itself, it's a lot cheaper. So it's become more popular. You must have seen the U uh, two tour several years back down in Australia. No, but strangely enough, um, I've, I I rarely go to other people's performances only because it's almost like supermarket shopping for me. I have this concern that when I see an effect and I like it, that I will take it. Interesting. And I, I would prefer to be um, basically, although I, uh, my music library is excessive, um, as far as video goes, I don't think I've seen anything since... Neil Young's uh, Heart of Gold film. Wow. I I haven't been to a concert in ages. I went to Wicked, and I thought that was magnificent. Wow. Great piece of work. 